Pastor Chris's podcast. So today we, um, we have the privilege we'll be receiving the Uten family as members of our church. And uh, we will also have the privilege of celebrating two sacraments, Holy Communion and Baptism. Chris will be joining the church today and will be baptized along with his infant son, Ben. And Ashley will be transferring her membership here to Pleasant Grove as well. Then we will also celebrate the Sacrament of Holy Communion. And so as we're doing all of this, I thought today would be a good day to teach about the sacraments. A sacrament is a sacred ceremony officially decreed by Christ that imparts God's divine grace. A sacrament is a sacred ceremony officially decreed by Christ that imparts God's divine grace. And grace is God's unearned and undeserved divine help or favor. In many ways, grace is a mystery. We don't deserve it, and we can't earn it, and we don't really fully understand it, but we do know that we desperately need it. And God's grace, His divine favor, helps us, and helps us in a variety of ways, always drawing us into a closer relationship with God. One form of grace is God's forgiveness and salvation. When we were lost in our sin and unable to save ourselves, God graciously sent Jesus Christ to atone for our sin on the cross. We call this salvation by various names. Some will call it conversion. Others would call it being justified or getting saved, or praying the sinner's prayer, or making a profession of faith. But all of these things are uh, salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is one form of God's grace. However, God graciously helps us in many other ways besides salvation. Salvation is only the beginning. And after that, we have to grow and mature and endure and We go through birth and growth and salvation and nurturing and healing and help and wisdom. And all of these are imparted to us by God's miraculous divine grace. Before we are even able to think about God, God is already thinking about us and helping us. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 tells us that God knows us before we are even formed in our mother's womb. Isn't that amazing? That God is already thinking about you before the cells of your body have come together in your mother's womb. And God helps us throughout our childhood, pulling us closer and closer to Him as we mature in hopes that one day we will become aware of His gracious love and we will choose to love Him also. God helps our parents to love us and to nurture us. And God places others in our lives, grandparents and teachers and friends and special people who can be instruments of God's grace in our lives as well. Of course, people are independent and they make their own decisions and sometimes they make wrong choices. But parents and people who seek God's help are better equipped to love and to nurture their children than those who try to do it all on their own. Well, we can experience God's grace in many different ways. People often will tell me, apologetically, (laughs) 
they say, I'm sorry, preacher, but um, I'll... I'll just be honest, I like the music at church better than your sermons. God speaks to me, and he, he moves in my heart more. And I'm like, you don't need to apologize. I understand. I totally get it. I think about when I was a child. Um, I, I, I used to hate going to church as a little kid. You know, you would go into this place, and, and you'd be there with all these old people, and uh, they'd be doing all this stuff that was over my head, and I didn't understand it. And, um, and all I had to do was, all I was supposed to sit still and be quiet. But it didn't seem like anything was for me, and I didn't like to go. And I, I probably threw, I don't know how many tipper tantrums I threw with my parents, because I didn't want to go to church, but they would make me go. But then there was one, this one Sunday that I was there at church, and I was probably only in the second grade. And there I am sitting there trying to be quiet and be still. And this lady stands up on the stage and she begins to sing. And for the very first time in my life, I really enjoyed something at church. Goosebumps started popping up on my skin as I listened to this beautiful music this woman was singing and thinking, wow, I really like that. And it was something special. And I felt close to God in that. And I felt his spirit inside me. And from that point on, you know, every Sunday, I still didn't necessarily want to go to church, but I always had in my mind this thought, maybe there'll be something at church where I will feel close to God. Maybe somebody will sing and the music will inspire me. For me, it was the music and worship that helped me to fall in love with God. And then it was the sermons and the teaching and reading the Bible that helped me to understand the God music helped me to feel and to, to love and to know him and to make a conscious, rational decision to follow him with my life. We experience God's gracious help in many different ways, in music and art, preaching, teaching, the beauty of nature, reading a good book. There are many ways that God can impart his grace to us. And sometimes it even includes special ceremonies, uh, 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 last month in October, my son got married, and in that special ceremony, uh, he and his wife and my whole family felt uh, a special closeness to God through that special ceremony. And even yesterday at Perry Byers' funeral, it was a, a time uh, uh, when you don't normally think of being a good time, but when you're celebrating someone going home to be with God and you're celebrating their life and you're feeling the closeness of God and you're having this sacred ritual, you can feel a closeness and re with God and you can receive His grace. But there are two special ways that we experience God's grace that Jesus taught us to practice in the Bible. We call these two special ceremonies sacraments. They are baptism and holy communion. The first of these two biblical sacraments is baptism, so I'll talk about it first. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus commanded his disciples to baptize people. And Christians are Jesus' disciples. If you are following Christ, you are his disciples. And, and we are to baptize people too. Baptism marks the beginning of a person's journey of Christian faith. Jesus himself is an example of this. 
Jesus was baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River to mark the beginning of his public ministry on earth. Baptism recalls the saving work of God going all the way back to the Old Testament. In the story of Noah, God began his salvation of the world through the waters of a flood. The world had become so wicked that the very best thing that he could do was to wipe it clean and start over from scratch. And so in the story of Noah, God began that salvation. The wicked world was destroyed, but God saved Noah and his family and the animals on the ark. And then in the Exodus, God saved the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. When the Egyptian army was pursuing the, Egypt, the Israelites, God saved the Israelites by parting the waters of the Red Sea. The Israelites crossed over on dry ground, but the evil Egyptians were swallowed up and drowned by the water. Water was again important, an important part of the story when the Israelites entered into the promised land as God's people. God caused the water of the Jordan River to stop flowing so the Israelites could cross over into the promised land on dry ground. Look it up in Joshua chapter 3. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus officially began his ministry, he was baptized in the water of the Jordan River. Isn't it interesting that it's, it's like he's, he's saying that the Israelites came into the promised land to be God's people, but they always fell short. And so now Jesus is doing it, but this time he's going to get it right. He's going to do it right. He is going to fulfill God's will perfectly. And he marked that occasion with the baptism. Baptism marks the beginning. A person begins their journey of faith with Jesus through baptism. They don't walk that journey alone. Jesus walks with them. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, baptism can be done in three primary ways. And it doesn't matter um, which way you do it. But it can be done through immersion, where a person is dunked completely beneath the surface of the water and then brought back up. It can also be done through pouring, where, they would take, where you would take a ladle of water or a pitcher of water and pour it over the person's head. And a third way, the way that we do it here in our church most often, is by sprinkling. And sprinkling is, uh, recalls those Old Testament passages where the priest would sprinkle water on the congregation as a purification rite. And it reminds us that part of what we do in baptism is remember how God is purifying us. And it doesn't matter how much water we use, because remember, it's about God's grace. Grace is something that you can't earn and you don't deserve. Grace is not something you receive because you did the ceremony a particular way that was just right, and so therefore God has to pour out his blessings on you. It's not how it works. Grace of God is a free gift. And it doesn't matter how much water you use. What matters is what's in your heart and the sincerity with which you approach the sacrament. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace that God is imparting. 
It symbolizes the cleansing power of God, cleansing us from sin and creating us anew. Baptism does not save us. Only God's grace, when we have faith in Jesus, saves us. And it is not that baptism actually cleanses us. Christ's blood that was shed on the cross cleanses us from our sin. Baptism is only a sign to the person being baptized and to everyone that sees it that says this person is a child of God when they put their faith in Jesus and profess him as Lord. And in baptism, God grants us his grace to help even with that decision. Baptism marks a person as a child of God. And God treats his children with a very special favor. He teaches them, he guides them, he blesses them. He also disciplines them from time to time in order to help them become better people. I have heard it said, you probably have too. It's a very wise saying. The saying goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right? Haven't you found that to be true? Knowing the right people who will help you, put in a good word for you, man, that can go a long way in life. But knowing the God of the universe, who is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-loving, who loves you unconditionally and is pulling for you in life, my friends, that is a very powerful thing. Baptism also marks a person as a member of the family of God, the church. And so not only is God pulling for you, so are all the members of the Christian church. The members of your church congregation are your brothers and your sisters. Their help is also a powerful means of God's grace in your life. Methodists, along with the majority of other Christian traditions around the world today, and throughout history, have practiced baptism in two primary ways. One is believer's baptism, where a person, when a person is old enough and they understand their decision and they make a conscious choice to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord, they may be baptized. The other form of baptism is what is known as infant baptism, which marks a person who is not yet old enough to understand, but it marks them as a child of God, in preparation. Infant baptism begins before the child is even old enough to understand what is happening. But it is not complete until the child grows up and understands and chooses to confirm that Christ is indeed their Lord. In the meantime, their parents promise, with the help of the church, to raise the child in the Christian faith so that they might accept Christ for themselves when they are old enough and they are ready and they are able. And so that is the sacrament of holy baptism. The second sacrament that Jesus taught to practice in the Bible is holy communion. Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant 
between God and His people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Holy Communion, also known as the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, is a a sacred ceremony that recalls the last meal Jesus shared with His disciples before He was arrested and then crucified. At a traditional Jewish Passover meal, which was itself a sacred religious rite for Jews that recalled God saving the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, at that meal, Jesus changed things up to show His disciples and the world that Jesus was the divine Passover Lamb of God whose sacrifice on the cross would atone for the sins of the whole world and would save us all from slavery to sin and death. And so in the meal, Jesus took two ordinary elements, bread and wine, things that were part of everyday life for people. He took those ordinary things and he used them in an extraordinary way. He said, the bread is my body given for you. And this cup of wine is my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you to confirm a new covenant between God and His people. In the old covenant, people followed rules and laws to stay in a relationship with God. But of course, people are people, and they always fell short, and they always failed to keep the laws and the rules. But in this new covenant, God's grace and His forgiveness maintain our relationship with God when we have faith in Jesus Christ. Despite our sins, God's forgiveness and grace keeps us holy. But what happens during Holy Communion? Are we actually eating Jesus' body and drinking His blood? No. The Bible tells us that's not what we are doing. The bread and the wine are symbols that remind us of what Jesus has done. Jesus gave his life for us completely. The bread and the wine are also symbols of Jesus' presence with us right now. Just as the bread and the wine are on the table here, and by the way, the wine in the cup is not really wine, it's it's grape juice. But just as the bread and the wine are here, Jesus is also here with us right now. You see, Jesus is not dead. He's not in the grave. Jesus is here at the table with us today just as he was with the disciples at the Last Supper. Spiritually, he is here. And this bread and this wine helps open our eyes to the presence of Christ in our midst. Our awareness of Jesus' loving sacrifice and His presence with us right now nourishes and strengthens our soul the same way the bread and the wine nourishes our physical body. How this all works, frankly, is a mystery. We don't fully, completely understand it. But Jesus commanded His followers to celebrate this sacrament in remembrance of Him. And as an essential practice of the Christian faith. 
And so we celebrate Holy Communion in obedience and in anticipation of God's grace. Just as generation after generation after generation of Christians has done for 2,000 years. Who can take Holy Communion? In our church, anyone can take Holy Communion as long as you sincerely repent of your sin and want to receive the gift of God's grace to you today. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter if you are a member of this church. Anyone can come and receive so long as you do it with a sincere heart. Jesus welcomes everyone to his table. And I would point out here, if you read in the Gospels, you will find that people either loved Jesus or hated Jesus for one thing in particular. He was always eating with sinners. So I feel perfectly at home at this table, and I hope that you will too. Baptism and Holy Communion don't save us. However, they are a special means to receive God's grace that Jesus told us to practice, that nourishes and helps us to live the Christian life of faith. And they can even help you to make a decision to follow Christ in the first place. So today, we have the privilege of practicing both the sacraments of Holy Communion and Baptism. We receive a new family as members of Pleasant Grove Methodist Church. Ashley Reed Uten comes by transfer of her membership from another church, and her husband Chris will be baptized as a believer and also make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as he joins our church. Their son Ben receives infant baptism to receive God's special grace to help him grow up in the faith and profess his faith in Jesus Christ when he is old enough and he is ready. This is also a special time for Chris and Ashley to receive the love and support of this congregation and the grace of God that is so important to help parents raise their children. And of course, as we do this together, all of us receive God's grace in these baptisms. And afterwards, we will celebrate Holy Communion.